Welcome to TRS, Your Retirement in Focus. Here on the Your Retirement in Focus podcast, we try to do our very best to keep you updated about the various legislative updates, especially those that affect TRS. Well, on March 22nd, 2022, HB 385, Return to Work, was passed and adopted and subsequently signed into law by Governor Kemp on July the 1st, 2022. On today's show, we will cover general information about HB 385 and we will answer questions to employers and employees as they navigate their decision-making and processing of these return-to-work positions. Our guests will speak on several aspects about the bill and its provisions. Speaking of our guests, today's guests will be Dr. L.C. Buster Evans, the Executive Director of TRS, Christy Gray, TRS's Retirement Services Operations Manager, and Paige Donaldson, TRS's Director of Employer Services and Contact Management. Before we get going with our first guest, I would like to share some exciting and outstanding news about him. Congratulations are in order for our very own Dr. L.C. Buster Evans. At this month's Georgia Association of Educational Leaders Conference, better known as Gale, Dr. Evans received the H.M. Fulbright Distinguished Service Award. This award is presented annually to a Gale member who personifies the leadership qualities modeled by Gale's first president and executive director, Dr. H.M. Fulbright, and who has shown significant achievement in the field of educational leadership. Please join me in celebrating Dr. Evans on this high honor. Dr. Evans, this is quite an honor. You must really be proud of your most recent achievement. Everett, thank you very much. I'm just very, very honored to be able to be recognized in this way. So thankful to so many people that I've had the opportunity to work with and continue to work with. But thank you for mentioning it. And uh, let's get on to the rest of the show. You got it. You got it. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about the big news of HB 385. For those who are not familiar with it, can you just provide a brief overview? Yes, Everett. House Bill 385 is a bill that was introduced in the Georgia legislature. Actually, the truth of the matter was it was introduced about four years ago, the concept of House Bill 385, which is what we call a return-to-work bill, which would allow a retired TRS beneficiary under certain conditions to go back into the classroom, teach full-time, and still be able to draw their retirement benefit. So in a nutshell, that is what this bill is about. I can tell you very clearly this has come about because educational leaders, specifically school superintendents, met with their legislators, communicated their need, met with Governor Kemp, and talked to him and his policy advisors about looming shortages in the teaching profession specifically in certain what we call critical needs areas. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that just a little bit more as we really break down this bill to talk about what it really means for the education community in the state of Georgia. Mm, Understood. Great. Well, Dr. Evans, did we have more people retire this past fiscal year than usually? 
Actually, every, we actually saw a reduction oh in the number of retirees. We were all year long. We were tracking these numbers. We actually thought that we may have an increase, but it, when we checked it mid-year, we actually saw a decrease in the number of retirees. Mm-hmm. When we ended up at the end of the year, the previous year we had about seven thousand retirees. This year we had six thousand seven hundred. So actually, a slight reduction in the number of retirees for the year. That's pretty surprising to me, to be honest with you. But when you have bills like this coming forward, then maybe not so surprising. So we'll see. Let's ask a few more questions and see if we can digest a little more information here. Why was House Bill 385 introduced to legislation this past session? Clearly and simply, we have a looming teaching shortage in the state of Georgia. Now, the reasons for that, multiple people could probably give multiple answers, but we know that the teaching profession can be challenging. For the last couple of years, it's been especially challenging with COVID, a lot of other issues taking place, and uh, and a strong economy. We've seen students graduating from college have multiple opportunities. In some cases, they said, you know what, maybe I can go somewhere else and make more money, Mm -hmm. and in reality, that they can The other thing that we've seen every day as a part of this, we've actually seen while our number of retirees was down, we've actually seen the number of people refunding from their TRS contributions. Mm -hmm. We've seen that number increase, actually increased by nearly 2,000 refundees this year. Mm -hmm. What that tells me that we are seeing people who are entering into the profession and saying, you know what? I don't know that this education thing is what it's cracked up to be. I think I'm going to do something else. So I'm going to leave the profession, take my money out. Mm -hmm. So I think that is another one of the couple of things that is contributing to the teaching shortage that we have. We're having people leave the profession prior to becoming vested Mm -hmm. uh, in their retirement plan, which is all the more reason why I would submit that the retirement system that we have in Georgia does help to retain people into the system once they've reached their 10-year vesting period. Sure. How much interest have you observed in the use of House Bill 385? Everett, I can answer that question in a couple of different ways. There's been a buzz all about the state of Georgia about this. We've mm-hmm. got a number of telephone calls. I've just gotten back from a annual conference, and a number of people were asking about it. We've received emails. So there's a lot of interest out there. We've just begun to approve uh, applications for people returning under the, to work under this provision. Mm-hmm. And uh, those numbers are relatively small right now. But I think we're going to see this increase really over the next several weeks as our school systems ramp up their employment, as they get teachers ready to go back into the classroom for the beginning of the new school year. I agree. I think we'll see those numbers increase as well. So, Dr. Evans, as a former superintendent, How can House Bill 385 be beneficial to a school district? Everett, House Bill 385, quite honestly, might make the difference between a successful school year for a school, but most importantly for a student. Mm -hmm. And I can give you a number of scenarios, but uh, all of us know one of the greatest things about school achievement is the quality of that teacher in the classroom. Sure. 
We know that there are areas where we have shortages. Mm -hmm. For example, special education, math, science. We're even hearing, in some cases, early childhood in some parts of the state. Every parent wants to make sure that their child has got the best teacher that they can have. Every student deserves the best teacher that they can have. And if you're the principal of that school, you want to be able to make that parent happy, but also make fulfill that the needs of that student by ensuring that you've got the best teacher that they can possibly have. I can't tell you how many times that I've had conversations with school administrators over the years and even experienced this myself. Maybe, let's say, in the month of September, lose a teacher. Either do they get another job or they have health issues or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I've got a whole school year where I'm counting on that person to teach a number of segments of math or science or special education. And all of a sudden, I need somebody. And I just can't find anybody. We know that our retired educators serve as a valuable resource, and they have for a number of years in the area of substitute teachers. In this particular case, though, that allows me as a school administrator to go to this toolbox Mm -hmm. and be able to hire a retired TRS beneficiary, put them in that classroom for the beginning of the year, and feel comfortable that I've done my best job professionally ethically and morally to make sure that I've matched a great teacher with the students that I'm entrusted to make sure that I'm serving in my school. Wow, that's a great real-life example. And I'd hate to see it come to pass, but certainly we know things do happen. And that's a very real scenario that we might just have an example of in the upcoming school year. So let's move forward. What are some of the general provisions of the bill? There are several provisions under House Bill 385 that actually work as guardrails to make sure that it's identifying the right people to be able to go back into the classroom, but also to ensure that it doesn't abuse the privilege of being able to do that. Mm -hmm. Several of the provisions include it must be a, a retiree who worked in the system for 30 years. First of all, secondly, it must be for critical needs areas. Now, these critical needs areas are identified by RESA district, the top three needs in that area. Generally speaking, we know that it is going to include such teaching areas as mathematics, science, and special education. But there may be some others identified by each of those RESAs that may be unique to that RESA district. The third is that the retiree has to have been out or have been retired for 12 months. They've had a a 12-month break in service. Now, why is that important? In the retirement industry, you don't want to create a condition where you're encouraging someone to retire early, Mm -hmm. to retire too early. Right. So if you're trying to incentivize people to retire too early, you may actually end up causing damage to your retirement system. We believe by having this 12-month break in service that most teachers will not just leave and sit out unless they knew that they would have an opportunity to come back and work, and they would not know that by having that 12-month break in service. Uh, They can draw their full salary or whatever salary can be negotiated with that school district or that employer. Give you an example of that. Everett, you may be a math teacher, and this the school principal may need you not six periods a day, but he says, Everett, I really need you four periods a day. Mm-hmm. Right now, the law allows you to come back as a retiree and work 49% or less. In this particular bill, you might be able to negotiate, well, Superintendent Evans, I want to come back, but I don't want to have extra duties. 
I'll be willing to work for a little bit less. Oh. So that's a unique characteristic of this bill. This bill also requires the employer to pay the employer and employee TRS contribution. That's important because mm -hmm. it helps to ensure that TRS is made whole, mm -hmm. that we are getting the retirement contribution that would otherwise be being received by someone who is an active contributing member. Of course, the, the normal bureaucratic types of things and notifying the employer of their status as a beneficiary mm -hmm. so that employer can then notify TRS. Right. The beneficiary will not receive any additional service. And then the final element of this bill that we think is important, it does have a sunset period, sunsetting on June 30th, 2026, which will allow us to communicate back to the Georgia legislature and to the governor uh, how this bill has worked. Mm -hmm. Has it helped to continue to improve education? Has it been harmful to the retirement system? But has it also worked for students right, right. to ensure that it's good educational policy for the state of Georgia? And that's the most important thing, our students. Yes, sir. Well, what advice would you give to employers as they prepare to hire retirees? I'd say first, use this bill, but don't abuse the bill. If you've got a need in your school system that you realistically do need to employ one of our retirees, and that's the best option for you, let me so encourage you to do it. Don't abuse it by making sure that you implement it in accordance to the way the legislation has been drafted. We had a bill like this previously in the state of Georgia, and I think uh, there were some people who felt like it might have been abused a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the main thing that I would tell our employers is use this legislation, House Bill 385, if it helps to allow you to provide a quality educator in that classroom but don't abuse it in such a way that it would cause there to be a dark cloud over this bill when it comes up for a renewal in several years down the road. Understood. Great advice. Great feedback. Well, Dr. Evans, is there anything you would like to add before we let you go? We're really, really excited to be able to work with our employers and our beneficiaries. We look forward to hearing a number of success stories. So I hope as we implement House Bill 385, I hope that we will hear about how this has helped to ensure that we did provide a teacher mm -hmm. for our students in a time of critical need. We will not only have the statistical data to show how that it's been used, but we will also have that anecdotal data to say this was a great decision by our legislature and our governor to ensure that we do believe mm -hmm. that education is one of the highest priorities here in the state of Georgia. I concur with that assessment, sir. Well, Dr. Evans, it is always a pleasure speaking with you, and I believe our listeners enjoy having you on the show as well. Thank you for taking time to stop by the show, and you have an open invitation to stop by anytime you like if you want to share with our listeners. Everett, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much, and thank you for your work to making this podcast available to our members and our retirees across the state of Georgia. Very well. You're welcome, sir. Stay tuned, folks. Christy Gray will join us on our next segment as we continue to talk all things HB 385. Joining us now is Christy Gray, the Operations Manager for Retirement Services. Christy, how are you today? I'm doing well. Everett, how are you today? I'm doing great, and it's so good to see you again. Thank you. Likewise. Well, Christy, as you know, we're talking about HB 385 today, and I know you have some very relevant information to share with our audience. So let's jump right in, okay? All right. 
So if a retiree has been working part-time for a year, are they allowed to start working full-time under HB 385 after a year? Yes, the short answer is yes. The retiree has to have had at least a one-year break and working part-time does not affect or impact that. So they can work during that period of time as a part-timer or what we call 49% Mm -hmm. and still come back this year and work full-time. So that person should have retired at least a year ago in order for them to participate under the new law. Okay. Not bad. So it's good to have that year break. Or as necessary, in this case, you have to have had that 12-month break. You're right. It's a one-year requirement, 12-month requirement. Understood. So let's say we have a member who has retired with 29 years of service. They unretired to work full-time, then re-retired with 30 years of service. After the re-retirement, would they be eligible to take advantage of HB 385? Well, the retiree must have a waiting period of one year again. So when a person suspends or terminates, mm-hmm. they have a, well, for termination, they have a new retirement date. They okay. must reapply for retirement benefits. Okay. So upon them reapplying, that date in turn turns into the period where we start their one year okay. count. Mm-hmm. So for a suspended individual though, when they reactivate their benefits, that's where we start that one-year count. So they have to have a one-year break from that period. So during the time frame that they are suspended or terminated, that time is ineligible all the way. Oh, okay, okay. No shortcuts to getting to 30, in other words. (laughs) No. (laughs) Message to self, Everett Crockett. Okay, how often will the RESAs determine which areas are in areas of critical need? RESA will supply that data to us annually, mm-hmm. and right now we receive the information in June. So we will post that information to our website upon receipt. Okay, and I guess the June deadline, that probably works perfectly as we're starting to gear up for the next school year. You see that area of critical need, and you want to staff those areas, hopefully, before the school year begins. So June is the perfect day, it seems, perfect month, it seems. June is because the new fiscal year starts as of July, but employers must keep in mind that they have a 30-day window for them to report that employment to TRS. Mm -hmm. Well, they always say it's bad to talk about salaries, but are there salary limits associated with HP 385? No, there are not any salary limits associated with this employment. However, the employer must pay both the employee and the employer contributions on the compensation that the retiree receives. Mm -hmm. Under normal circumstances, that wouldn't be the case. Is that correct? That's correct for like part-time employment, 49% employment, substitute employment. Mm -hmm. Those don't impact this law. Okay. So there's no contributions that are required for that type of employment. What I would like to say is that retirees who engage in this employment will not have any service adjustments, no additional service accruals. Mm -hmm. They will not have any benefit modifications to their retirement benefit. And that's really important because a lot of retirees are not really clear on that piece. So they're not going to benefit from their retirement benefit as far as being changed. However, they will benefit from being able to receive both their retirement benefit as well as the compensation earned mm-hmm. while they're working. Also, the the employment is limited to the subject areas for the district. There are different subject areas based on your RISA or your district that you're working for. Okay. So keeping in mind that the retiree can return at least 50% 
within that subject area mm-hmm. and work up under this law full time. Okay. And all contributions for all compensation received during that period of time mm-hmm. must be reported to TRS. Got it. If a retiree starts working full time under HB 385, can they unretire and keep the same job or would they need to reapply for the position? Well, application for jobs is really handled at the district level. Mm -hmm. So we don't really get involved in that part of the process. However, if a person decides that they want to stop their employment or modify and change over to a termination or a suspension status, Mm -hmm. they can do so. But whether or not that employer hires them back into that role is really Mm -hmm. up to the employer. As it should be. As it should be. Well, do contracts need to be sent each school year? Employment contracts aren't sent in for this type of employment. Oh. Now, when we get into like independent contracts, those are separate and different, a different type of employment. Mm-hmm. Those are sent in to us or reported online through okay. the website. All right. Well, Chrissy, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listening audience before we let you get out of here today? At the end of July 2022, the Department of Community Health modified their stance on how employers report benefit eligibility for our House Bill 385 retirees. Employers do not have to or are not required to report retirees hired under the new law Mm -hmm. as benefit eligible for the state health benefit plan. The health insurance premiums will continue to be deducted from the teacher's retirement pension Mm -hmm. and the retirees will continue to have that insurance coverage without any breaks. So this also ensures that continuous coverage but it also ensures that retirees who have Medicare coverage that there's not an interruption of that. Which is really good. So Christy you mentioned earlier that employers under this new bill would have to pay all of the contributions. Could you expound upon that? But first, let me just say, if I were an employer and I now had to pay all of the contributions, how is this bill beneficial to me? Well, employers are hiring in experienced teachers to fulfill the needs of the classroom. Mm -hmm. They're having dedicated individuals who have a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of understanding for running a classroom, as well as being able to produce the results that they need for testing, that they need for making sure that the children are educated and meeting and mastering the skills. Very true. Mm -hmm. So the funding is for the position. It is not for a retiree coming back into the classroom or for actually hiring in a person. It is actually for each position that they have, and these are full-time positions. So they get that funding from the state. They apply it to compensate the individual that they are hiring in. Got it. So relative to those contributions, in a normal situation, though, would not an employer still be paying contributions, both types of contributions? No. So if a person is hired in as an active member up Mm -hmm. under TRS, then the employer is just paying in the matching contributions, which is the employer contributions. Okay. Whereas the member is paying in the member contributions or employee Mm -hmm. contributions. So that is a little bit of the difference between this. However, the employer also, once again, may not have to contribute in some other areas when it comes to hiring in retirees. 
Well, Christy, thank you so much for the informative info on HB 385. I'm sure that someone listening will benefit as a result of what you share. And as I tell everybody, well, actually, I didn't tell this to everybody because it's not true for everybody. You always have an open invitation to come back and share with our listening audience at any time. There's only been one guest that I haven't said that, and I will not bring up their name at this point in time, but you are not on that list. So anytime you want to share more information, feel free to stop by and share that. It's always great to have you, and we really appreciate you taking our time today. Well, thank you for having me, Everett. It's always a delight. Stay tuned, folks. When we return, we will talk to Paige Donaldson as we continue to talk about all things HB 385. Joining us now is Paige Donaldson, the Director of Employer Services and Contact Management. Paige, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing fine this morning, Everett. How are you? I'm doing excellent in spite of the rain, which we need. I mean, uh, we've got plenty of sunshine here lately. And at one point in time, my yard looked like a pasture. But uh, thankfully, we're getting some rain. We can't control it. So we do our best to just live with it. We do need it. You're right. I agree. Well, thanks for stopping by to talk about HB 385. Let's jump right into it. Okay. So, Paige, once a retiree is hired full time, do employers report contributions in the same manner as any other employee? Yes, that is correct, Everett. TRS retirees hired full time under the provisions of HB 385 should be added to the monthly contribution reports just like any other employee. However, we do need to distinguish them from active members who have not yet retired and from any retirees who may have suspended or terminated their retirement benefits, returned to full-time work, and are now contributing to TRS again. Now, to do that, employers are going to use a specific code when reporting contribution details for HB 385 retirees. In addition, they're not going to report service credit for these folks, and the employer must pay all the contributions, which will also be indicated in the details. So there are three special reporting indicators employers must use in the monthly contribution details. Now, to help them with this, we created full instructions and posted them on our website so that employers would know the steps for both hiring and reporting these retirees. Several divisions collaborated, as you may know by now, having Mm -hmm. already spoken with a couple of my colleagues. It was a group effort that involved information technology, retirement services, communications, as well as employer services. And the instructions also include screenshots. We wanted to be sure we had helpful information out there for our employers to access at any time they need it. Well, that's good because we know that there are certainly special provisions that have to be adhered to relative to HB 385. But the great thing is that the collaboration that you spoke of and the instructions and screenshots on the web will go a long way towards helping out our employers. Okay, let's go to the next question here. So can a rehired employee go below 50% work at any point if they are hired under the HB 385 provision? Ah, that's a great question. So Retirees hired under HB 385 should remain employed on a 50% or greater basis and must meet several other requirements too. The laws and policies that apply to hiring TRS retirees are very different than those that apply to regular active members who have not yet retired. So Christy and her team are the experts when it comes to hiring retirees. Yeah, I spoke with Christy and she provided some excellent points relative to part-time versus full-time work under HB 385, so point well raised there. So how should employers submit their EVFs for the retirees? So the employers will need to log in to the Secure Employer portal on our website, 
And then in the upper right, they're going to go and they're going to choose employment verification for a retiree under the drop-down menu. And we also cover that in the instructions on our website. So they'll have screenshots there for reference. Excellent. That's great. So who would be our main points of contact for all of our questions? Actually, there are going to be two points of contact. So for any questions that employers might have about TRS retirees being eligible for HB 385, getting the position approved, submitting the EVF, that process, the employer should contact Christy in our Retirement Services Division and her team. My team, the Employer Services Division, will be able to assist with contribution recording questions. Now, each employer has an assigned employer services rep, so the employers can reach out to them and we'll be glad to help anybody who needs it. Awesome. I'll tell you what, Paige, this is especially good info because I can't count the times that I've needed to reach out to a company or an organization for some assistance only to be passed from person to person before finally reaching the right person to assist me. So it seems that you and Christy and your teams have anticipated this and that you're properly prepared to field any questions relative to HP 385. So hats off to you guys for that. Thank you. We have tried to prepare. Excellent. So are retirees responsible for paying contributions for work fulfilled under HB 385? Thank you for bringing that up. Actually, that's a really important point. The retirees will not pay any contributions to TRS for HB 385 employment. So the employers will need to be sure they do not withhold employee contributions from the earnings for those folks. Now, the employer will need to pay both employee and employer contributions, and they'll include a special indicator for employer-paid employee contributions in the contribution details. That's a very specific indicator. Mm -hmm. And there's more about it in our online instructions so that employers will know exactly how to report it. Okay. I shared that with Christy also. This is something I was really wondering about. I was thinking, if I was an employer or if I were an employer, how would it benefit me to bring on beneficiaries under HB 385 when it would mean my having to pay employee and employer contributions? But after hearing from you both, you and Chrissy, that is, I've since come to understand the benefits of such a hire, as these hires are not only familiar with the area of need that they're filling, but they're ready to hit the ground running in those positions. So it certainly is a benefit and a win for the employers. I think it's well worth the doing and the investment for those who can see a use for it. Yes, well-seasoned employees, that's always a great thing in our schools. Absolutely. So Paige, is there anything else you'd like to add as we prepare to let you get out of here today? Well, we've covered a lot of ground. I just want to close by saying that we really hope that HB 385 will benefit employers, you know, as we were just discussing, and Mm -hmm. I think it will. And, you know, we're here to help with any questions employers may have, whether it's Christy or whether it's me and my team, where we want to be able to do everything we can to help employers out with that. And, you know, thank you so much, Everett. I just really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about this today. Well, it's always good to have you and keeping our listeners informed and well up to date with things going on with TRS and the legislative changes coming forth. So thank you, Paige. I and our listeners appreciate you taking the time to help navigate the waters of HB 385. And anytime you have insight that'll be beneficial to our audience, you're more than welcome to stop by and do so. Well, thank you. I'd be glad to do that if I'm needed. Joining us now is Dale Alexander from Alexander & Company. He's going to offer feedback and tips on how you can get financially fit with regards to HB 385. 
Dale, you always have great info for us, so let's jump right in. Dale, we all know that HB 385 will sunset or cease to have effect in June of 2026. But for now, retirees will have the opportunity to possibly make more than they ever have with receiving a retirement benefit and a full-time paycheck under HB 385. How should our retirees manage these funds knowing that this amount of income will end at some point? Well, because they've scheduled this to sunset or go away in June of 2026, I would say because it's not really a long-term plan, take this opportunity with these short-term dollars coming in to reduce your debt, try and reduce any debt that you may have in retirement, if you have any, or getting close to retirement, and also to set up an emergency fund. You want to build that emergency fund, that savings account, uh, that credit union account with three to six months of living expenses. Because this isn't a long-term deal, take this chance to shore up debt and build up those emergency funds. As our retirees look to take advantage of HB 385, should a retiree's investment strategy change while they are actively working and receiving a paycheck? Not really your investment strategy, because if your investment strategy includes mutual funds that invest in stocks, you know, continue that. It depends on how long you're going to work. If you're going to do this over those four years, that's a little bit longer. If you're just going to do it for maybe a year, again, shore up your debt, take care of some debt and build up cash reserves. If you're going to use it for those four years, those full four years, and certainly if they go after 2026 and you're going to be working longer, use this to put more money in your mutual fund exposure. Maybe they'd invest in some equity, in some stocks, then invest in mutual funds, not direct stocks, but in mutual funds. And, and you say, well, if the market, what about the market, the stock market being down? Use this market downturn to invest using what's called dollar cost averaging, which means you continue putting money in even if things go lower because stocks go down and then they come up, typically, historically. So when things go down, you keep putting the same dollar amount in and you're buying more shares. It's a better way to buy low and sell high in the long term. If you're investing and if you're investing, had have been investing in the stock market, any mutual funds, for example, that invest in stocks and, and bonds and things like that, and you are nervous that, well, the market's down, what should I do? Just understand down is part of the ups that come with the stock market. It's just, it's the economic cycles. It's just how, how things work. Uh, well, I've, people say, well, I've lost. So, well, if you haven't sold, you haven't lost. I mean, if you go buy a coat at the beginning of the winter, a coat's $100. With, with a $100 bill, you buy one coat. At the end of winter, if you have a $100 bill and they're $50, you buy two coats. The value of the coat didn't go away. The price went down, but the value didn't go down. And so you buy more when it's cheaper. And so it may be warm next winter and you don't get to wear that coat, but eventually it will get cold again and you'll have more coats that you got because you bought more when the price went down. But again, you always need some equity, some stock market exposure, regardless of your age, because that helps offset inflation, rising prices, and taxes. The stock market by far has outperformed other types of investments like banks and bonds. Okay, Dale, with inflation seemingly on the rise, how could returning to work benefit our retirees? This is a great question. Just consider this like found money. 
this is just, just it's like paying off a car loan where you had $400 the next month that's freed up. Use this found money of this new job as a way to retire debt again, to way you build up your emergency fund, to build up your cash reserves. Even again, if you're investing in stocks and mutual funds, continue to put money in those mutual funds, even if the market is down. It's a great time because markets go down and then they come back. Dale, I know that you know this, but the cost of living, inflation, and various other factors are really having an effect on our ability to save money. As a result, Household saving rates are returning to all-time lows in the United States. Are there any general rules of thumb that you can offer to our retirees relative to saving? I would just say this. Uh, I saw a study one time that said the two emotions people get driven by when handling finances and money are fear and anxiety. Those are probably the two worst emotions people could use when trying to study what to do with money. Fear means you just don't understand. And anxiety could potentially mean you feel you're in the wrong places with your money. And if that's so, you need to find an advisor and fix that. But I would also try and get someone who can teach you how these things work. The second thing I would say is general rules of thumb is, is two words, awareness and contentment. In our financial lives, if we could get to a point where because what drives most people to get in trouble financially is they just they get discontented with where they are, with the stuff they have, with uh, where they feel like they are in life financially, and they start doing some bad things with it. So try and get to a point where we are happy with what we have. Nothing wrong in wanting more and wanting better, but keep that in kind of in check. And the second thing is to be have awareness. If savings rates have returned all-time lows, just be aware of everywhere that you spend money. How do you spend money? Are there things, are there apps that you pay for? Are there club fees that you have that you never use? Are there things like Netflix or thing HBO that you just never use that you're paying for? There's tons of these things that we're spending money on that are set up on auto draft that we're just unaware of. Just be aware of where every where your dollars go, all your decisions, all the time. Was that saying faith? Uh, small thing is a small thing, but faithfulness for the small thing is a big thing. Excellent. So there you have it, folks. HB three eighty five certainly is a win for our employers, the beneficiaries of TRS, and most of all for our students in those areas of critical need. Folks, if you have comments, questions, or feedback that you would like to share with us feel free to email us at podcast at trsga.com. That's podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at trsga.com. And by all means, share our podcast with a family friend or a member of your family. Thanks again to Dr. Evans, Christy Gray, and Paige Donaldson for their thoughts and insight. And thank you for tuning in again to TRS, your retirement in focus. Stay safe and stay smart.